if you are looking for more beer podcasts just like the one you're listening to right now, then head on over to hoppedupnetwork.com. We are a podcast network focused on our local craft beer communities. Here's a quick example of one of the many podcasts you will find. Have you ever sat down at a local craft brewery and wondered how they got started, what the owner or head brewer is like, what kind of culture they have there, or what you should have to eat or drink? Behind the Hops is a podcast that answers those questions and tells the stories of the people and events that bring us the delicious potables that we all love. Check out Behind the Hops on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you find your podcasts, and get a closer look at the people that bring us some of the best beverages we've ever had. Men should act like men, and light beer should taste like beer. Uh, light beer, please. Sure. Do you care how it tastes? Nah, I don't care how it tastes. Okay, well, when you start caring, put down your purse and I'll give you a Miller Lite. Continuing. I don't care, I just got one of these. Well, that's the second unmanly thing you've done today. <laughs> Whoa, that's not a Miller Lite. Oh, light beer is light beer. Um, no, Miller Lite has more taste. I'll strike two. One more, I'm taking your man card. Happy Brews Day Tuesday, everybody. I'm Ashley Powers. And I'm Caroline King, and you are listening to Bitch Beer. What we want to do here at Bitch Beer is shine a light on the women who brew, market, distribute, serve, and love beer in the hopes that their stories will inspire the women and men who haven't taken the plunge. Craft beer doesn't have to be scary. Very rarely will you come across a gatekeeping hipster who asks questions like a troll who quizzes your nerd knowledge once he sees you in a Star Wars shirt. But why isn't it more openly female-friendly? Craft beer ads are rife with burly men lugging 50-pound bags of hops, and women make cameos as eye candy. To those on the outside, especially women, it can feel like a boys' club where no level of disguise will get us in. We hope by the end of this season you feel not only welcome, but unabashedly unafraid to drink craft. Earlier this month, we had the absolute pleasure of being asked to set up shop at a beer cocktail contest hosted by Petrus Sour Beers from Belgium and the Nine Mile Station Beer Garden at Pont City Market. If you haven't had the chance to get your hands on Petrus, they are owned by Browery de Brabendere, which has been around for 120 years and passed down five generations. They have a fascinating history that we'll link to in the description so you can learn more. This is the second year of the contest, and because an Atlantan won last year, the ATL got to host this year. The prize for winning is a visit to Belgium to tour their brewery and hang out during Belgian Beer Week. The winner also gets this absolutely giant bottle of Petrus Aged Pale. You guys have to look it up. It's literally bigger than you could possibly ever imagine. It's on their Instagram. It's It's almost novelty, but no, they totally drank it. (laughs) The parameters of this contest was simply that you had to make a cocktail, so an alcoholic beverage using at least three ingredients, and one of those ingredients had to be a Petrus Sour Beer. The event took place in this super secret lounge at the very top of Nine Mile Station. To our knowledge, the space hasn't been open to the public yet, but once it is, you have to check it out because it was fucking gorgeous. (laughs) We're going to be talking to a lot of people, so we want to give you a heads up so you can follow along. First, we talked to Dan Lehman, Marketing Director and East Coast Sales Director of Global Beer Network. Then we speak to all five of the contestants about where they're from and what cocktail they made. And lastly, we speak to Albert de Brabandere, co-owner of Browery de Brabandere, post-contest, which was more than a little surreal. Albert shared off-air that we were the second podcast he had ever been on, the first being Good Beer Hunting. So what's up, Michael Kaiser? Yeah, Michael, what's up? (laughs) I follow you on Instagram. You don't follow me back. It's okay. It's fine. One day. One day. (laughs) 
You'll also hear a couple of people talk about Michael Jackson. And no, it's not that Michael Jackson. If you were like us and you hadn't heard of him, he was what is considered to be the best beer journalist ever. He has an extensive back catalog of everything from tasting notes to beer travel, and you should check them out at beerhunter.com. Thanks so much for sitting down with us, Dan. This Pleasure is being awesome. here. This is awesome. So this happy to so be in cool. Atlanta. So, so cool. let the podcast know who you are, where you're from, what you're doing. Cool. So my name is Dan Lehman. I'm the marketing director, uh, East Coast sales director for Global Beer Network, importer of a lot of awesome family-owned Belgian breweries. Uh, so we brought the, our cocktail competition that we do with Petrus Sour Beers, one of our lines, uh, down to Atlanta. So we're excited. To be is here. this your first time to Atlanta? This is my second time. My first time was to look at this space that we're in right now being built. So oh, wow. now I'm seeing it in completion and it is quite luscious and it's a great way to end my week. So Good. pretty excited. Good. Pretty excited. What have you what have you gotten to do while you've been here? Huh? Really it's been quick. We went over uh, to uh, brick store last night, drank oh, some nice. drink, drink some aged beers. We were drinking some uh, we, we bring in uh, Browery Boone, Limbic Brewer. Drinking some aged uh, black label and stuff like that, but mm. we were also ending the night with a Petrosage Red, which was awesome. Had a beautiful meal, uh, and then we went to Kimball House for a cocktail with some of the mixologists to see what, what the Atlanta scene is doing beyond the people that are here today. Yeah, and you like it? Loved it. It was a little, great Good. time. It's a little bit later in the night, so it was a small crowd and uh, a little more intimate, so we could try some different bitters and things like that. And it's really cool. Really cool. Nice. Yeah. So, how long have you been a beer lover? I've been a beer lover for about God. That's a great question. Probably about 15 years now. It seems that that, that way. Um, I actually had my first Belgian beer. I'll never forget it at Amsterdam Ale House in Manhattan. Um, I had a Left Brune. No, nothing. Nothing was considered special, but it's still a beer that's close to my heart because it was the first one. And the same day I had a Chimay Blue. Yeah. And Ooh, from there yeah. on, it was like Belgian beer will always have a special place for me. That's great. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely the way to go. So how did you end up getting hooked up with Petrus? So I actually got hooked up through our importer of Petrus first. I was actually at a bar called Public House in Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working online marketing at the time, but I ran a beer store in Boston, uh, right outside of Boston, called Redstone Liquors. So I loved beer and I had it as a little night job, a little extra money while doing some online marketing stuff. Yeah. It wasn't very exciting, honestly. Um, but one night I was at Public House meeting up some guys and I was drinking a Goulden Drop, which is another beer that we do. Yeah. And uh, a brewer tapped me on the shoulder. He happened to be visiting. He said, why are you drinking this beer? I'm like, it's 10.5%. It's Thirsty Thursday. Right? It's a great way <laughs> to not? get going. And uh, so I got started kind of, he introduced me to the importer. And then ever since I kind of, you know, they flew me to Belgium for two weeks, learned how to brew, learned everything about the culture. Wow. Went to West Lateran, went to... All the, all the great spots to, to really entrench myself in not only the breweries, but you, know, you, you can go to breweries and understand Belgian beer, but you don't understand Belgians' love for beer until you get into the villages, until you get into the small cafes, you know, even leaving the specialty beer bars behind, but going to a little corner cafe and seeing someone drinking Rochefort, you know, <laughs> who's like 70 years old and yeah. eating a cheese sandwich. So <laughs> So somebody who's never had like a sour or never kind of been interested in Belgians, like how would you kind of introduce it to them like as a selling point? Yeah, so I always, I said to you guys earlier, uh, <laughs> you know, the, it, I had it in Louis Champagne at my wedding, the, the Petrosage Pale, because oh. it's so dry and refined. You know, the, the, the sour category, that's such a, such a wide range of varieties. Now you have kettle sours, all these different things. What these guys are doing is totally different. And it, it happens when you've been doing this for over 100 years. Um, you, they, the time they put into aging the beer, two and a half years, 
that is all that refinement, all those kind of smells or tastes that might throw off the sour drinker mm-hmm. or someone who's coming into sours like, ooh, I don't know about that. That's all refined out. You can hit peak sourness on a beer in about six months. We make a beer right now together, we throw it outside, we're gonna get it really acidic by leaving it outside. But that extra year and a half these guys put into aging it in their oak fooders, that's when actually Britannomyces, the yeast strain, mellows all those aromatics out and kind of scrubs the beer clean for lack of a better term. And to me, you just think about it as being refined. I, I talk about setting the perception of Sauvignon Blanc or Brut Champagne Ooh. in cider for getting the perception of acidity before they get it, set that expectation. Yeah. And then what hits them is, you know, so much more dynamic than that, you know, that's, that's what I love about Petrosage Pale. It's great. I think it's an easy sell for that. Yeah. You know? Now that I've tried so, it, I'm, I'm obsessed. It's so good, especially when you blend them. Yeah. yeah. So the blending, obviously, that's a big reason why we're here today. And it was actually uh, the beer hunter, Michael Jackson, that discovered Petrosage Pale. And he was in Calvados in France looking for brandy barrels and, uh, and the different types of cooperage in France. And he was looking for a particular style fooder. And they said, actually, we sold our last ones to a brewery to Brabender up in Flanders, and he's like, well, I gotta go check it out. And he tasted the, the beer straight from the fooders to the chagrin of, uh, to, of the brewery. They weren't like, oh, we're not sure. It might be too sour for you. It's really meant for blending into our Oud Brun because it is so clean and refined. You can sour up something, add a little complexity without making it go crazy, funky sour. That's the virtue of this thing is blending. So like the Petrosage is red, you know, it's the, the cherry, you know, it becomes a sour chocolate cherry. Yes. You know, with just that little touch of aged pale, but it doesn't impart, there's no funk on that beer. Yeah. It's just a clean, sour, beautiful cherry chocolate notes. So those those bigger malt notes are allowed to shine while also having a sour backbone to kind of scrub the palate. So that's the whole birth of aged pale was always meant to be a blender. So that's why we thought, okay, let's let the consumer play with the beer a little bit. We have Sour Power Sampler Packs where you can kind of play with the blends yourself, find your own blend favorites, and then kind of go from there. Uh, And then it kind of led to mixology and led to cocktails. Is why we're here today, yeah. right? Yeah. So how many how many years has this competition been going on? This is the second year. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. It's just started. Um, you know, where it's been evolving and how we do it and how we structure it. So last year was, to be very honest, more American Idol style. <laughs> you, you put it up on Instagram, let the personality shine, uh, see the likes that were you know got on Instagram, but also looking at the integrity of the recipe. You can tell by the amount of ingredients going in and how the beer is being treated, whether it's a Petrus cocktail. Or is it um, just a little top off of Petrus? Or is it really trying to elevate the beer, which is the goal of this? And then, obviously, Randy, Nine Mile Station, won last year. He, he had a week in Belgium with us. That's um, awesome. Came back very inspired and was like, yo, can you please let us host a live competition? I was like, well, let's make it work. So, you know, we called the group down, did the, kind of the same thing. You know, led po- kind of popularity, but also see how the, the recipes looked and what made the beer shine and now they're here today so. yeah so how did you how did you narrow it down to the top five top five uh, we needed we wanted different styles here today mm-hmm. um, also people their personalities is definitely a big play just their excitement and passion our first thing at Global Beer Network that we always talk about is passion and you can yeah. tell when someone's really really passionate about the drink they made so that was That's probably awesome. the first thing to help call down the group a little bit 
uh, but they were hard decisions. There were so many good cocktails. But we also, you know, we probably could make a Petrus Mai Tai competition and just make everyone come up with Mai Tais. Yeah. There were a couple of great recipes for Mai Tais. But we wanted to see a French 75, which Clay, who you interviewed from Butchtown, yeah. put out. A Pim's Cup for Corey from Hampton and Hudson. So we wanted a range of styles for the brewmasters, who are the judges, to see what their beer can do in cocktails. So, yeah. Yeah. so we, we haven't had the chance to meet um, all of the finalists yet. Are there any female finalists? There is Sage, but she was unable to make it today. Oh, Unfortunately, that's Darn. we were so, so upset about that. We actually had last year, um, again, this is how kind of we worked it, one of our finalists was as girl Nadia Womble from uh, Vermont in her cocktail she made a daiquiri that was just Ooh. unbelievable and if she was here this year I think it would, she would be putting up some stiff competition yeah. but it didn't work with her schedule unfortunately to come down here but it would have been fantastic because her drink she called it the red flag and she could actually alternate aged pale or aged red in the recipe and both were it was like two drinks changed the beer two different be drinks but they all were the both of them were just mind-blowing. Oh, wow. So my goal cool. is to get her to be here in the <laughs> Nice. Because that was, to me, one of the best cocktails I've had in, the, in this competition. So. So, so is the plan for next year, when this competition inevitably happens again, yeah. whoever wins this year, you're going to host it in their town where they're yeah, from? I think we're going to see how that pans out. I think cool. we actually had a great partner in, in Nine Mile and Slater Hospitality. These guys are unbelievably generous. Right. And the space is out of this world. You know, Don't tell the New Yorkers. I'm from New York, <laughs> but going to have a hard time topping this one if, in some other cities. So this is a pretty special location. So. Uh, we're probably a little bit spoiled, but yeah, I think I think we might try to go that route. But we'll see how it pans out. Great. See how it pans out. Thank you so much for talking with Thank us. Thank you. Thanks Yay! for being here and helping us. Uh, of oh, it's our pleasure. This is Tell awesome. people about the program. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. What's up, Clay? Hi. How's it going, Clay? It's going really well. Thanks, Thanks. for sitting down with us. Thanks for having me. So yeah. you should introduce yourself. Okay. Where you're from and what your finalist cocktail is. Absolutely. My name's Clay Franklin. I am representing Butcher Town Hall in Nashville, Tennessee. Woo! Uh, where I am kind of from. Um, I have a lot of lineage roots there. My dad's from there, his dad's from there, his dad's from there. But I grew up military brat, so I lived in Germany and California and all over the place. Wow, and like, I remember nice. as a young boy, like uh, going on a Volks march. It's like these long, like through the woods, like hikes, you know, like four kilometers, five kilometers, and all the kids who do it like get a medal and they have a huge party, like at the end of it with Glockenspiels and like Stein's beer and huge pretzels. And it's the first time I had beer, and I really liked it. I've always liked beer ever since. Um, so we're doing beer cocktails here today at Nine Mile Station, which I guess is going to open, you know, uh, relatively soon. And totally honored to be here. It's such a beautiful space. And um, all right, so I'm going to be, you know, creating a sour beer cocktail with Petrus uh, Aged Pale. Uh, they have a red ale, uh, but I chose the Aged Pale because I'm looking for that, like, you know, two-year in-fooder, like, clarity on color and attenuation. And you get, like, a sourness and a, that very Belgian kind of, like, orange, coriander, pepperiness really underneath all the lactic acid and all underneath, like, you know, the obvious, you know, kind of, like, uh, like full-flavored, you know, kind of tones. So it is complex, and it is kind of a blending beer uh, that, you know, can find its way in a lot of, like, uh, collaborations like uh, I think Dogfish Head and Petrus just made a like a saison that's super sessionable and yeah. I'm really excited about that because you know like the like the IPA drinkers of America you know I feel like are gonna start to turn away from it at some point right I mean like you know 
Like, it can't be all IPAs all the time, right? I don't right? know. Sorry, I'm not, like, you know, kind of ruffling feathers on one end, you know. No. Like, I love the hazy New England IPAs, you know, that tropical sense. Like, let's not punch people with hops, like, you know, through the teeth anymore. And, like, you know, let's go for some complexity and stuff like that. Uh, so I think, yeah, like, a beer like uh, Petrus is, like, you know, finding, you know, people like myself to make, like, cocktails to, like, kind of further that uh, credibility of, like, how interesting it is that it's made in these giant, like, thousand-liter fooders yeah. and, like, the whole bacteria and science of it and the patience necessary for, like, these very humble brewers who are very hardworking and very humble and they have all this tradition and they have all this, like, cool cobblestone roads to walk around in. Yeah. And, like, um, there's also some fascinating things happen. Like, I've been talking to the brewers today and, you know, you know they're talking to me about what they're passionate about and there's an underlying passion behind what they're doing. And we're just lucky to be here making cocktails. So I'm going to make one. Uh, we're going to model it after a French 75. Uh, we're going to use Leatherby Ooh. Vernal, uh, the 2018 edition. So if you're not familiar, uh, Leatherby's a Chicago distillery that every spring and fall creates a, um, a seasonal gin where they take their base gin and kind of like, you know, uh, kind of mess around with it. This Vernal, the spring edition from 2018, they took their tin botanical base London dry style and then infused it with strawberry, eucalyptus, and vanilla bean. And it's super tasty. And uh, we're going to use that fresh squeezed lemon juice, simple syrup, just to like kind of not mask the core Petrus flavors, but just kind of elevate them a little bit. Yeah. You know, Lemon is kind of like a key player with Petrus Age Pale. So French 75 was like a quick and easy way to elevate Petrus, not get in the way, and create something that people can make at home. Yeah. You know, you can make it at home. If you're working in a bar that doesn't have, you know, like, you know, alginate pearls and nitrous and like, you know, uh, like stamps for like, clear ice that was bought and like you know shipped in from a place that has chainsaw ice and, like, <laughs> you know what I mean like all these um, three step garnishes and like all this stuff I don't think that's kind of what these guys are looking for today so I'm here to compete but I'm also here to just have fun and like you know kind of meet the brewers and like kind of figure out what they want to do and I think what they want to do is like yeah like you know get people like me involved like um, you know bartenders to kind of help like put this product in front of people that have never had a sour beer and for me to be like look you want to you want to try sour beer cocktail this can definitely get you into it and make you like introduce to it and then maybe from there you kind of like back up and say well I just want to try the beer yeah how long of an experience to get to the final like cocktail product how long was that for you? well we heard about the competition in the bar I work in and I was like can you believe the prize for this one like, <laughs> going to Belgian beer weekend and like also it's it's more than that it's like hanging out with the brewers and like yeah. checking out their facilities and you know, all the up, down, east, west of it is just like one of the most killer cocktail competition prizes out there. Yeah. Especially if you like work in a place that focuses on beer. And um, from there it went to like all of us going through the gamut. We tried like 10 different cocktails. We tried every single classic. So, you know, the rules of the competition were, you know, pretty, uh, I wouldn't say strict, but detailed. So had to be modeled off of like one of the, I think like nine or ten classics, right? Yeah. Okay. And it had to, you know, keep in mind that the beer needs to kind of come forward. It had to, it had to like have six ingredients or less, or okay. a minimum of six ingredients, something like that. And um, yeah, uh, something for like the home bartender to use, you know, hence all the, you know, 
you know, like uh, mention of like super fancy, you know, <laughs> like over the top cocktail, smoke glasses, you know, like that kind of thing. And not something like, so elevated that yeah. no, no one who just likes to sip a cocktail can right. even imitate yeah and like I heard this once and I maybe we can demystify it over time but like the home bartender is lazy I don't know about that I know this one dude who comes in he brought me a clarified carbonated margarita the other day it's got a spinzol at home he like centrifuged out that uh-huh. and clarified his lime juice and then carbonated a margarita based on a tequila I told him that was my favorite and he brought oh, wow. it to me and he's a home bartender so if you ever heard that just yeah. saying don't believe everything you hear, right? You know. Maybe flair mixologists are a little extra. Not right. that the home bartender is lazy. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. The home bartender may be not be lazy, but yeah. you know, when I go home and I'm a bartender, I'm kind of lazy. I'm like, <laughs> what do I have in here? Okay, I'm just drinking straight out of the bottle. Uh, where was I? There was a question somewhere, right? No, yeah, we were just talking about how it, how long it took you to get to this final oh, product. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. So we tried out 10 different things. We were like, oh, Pim's Cup, that's brilliant. That's a giveaway, you know. Uh, but And we tried that, and we tried a Mai Tai because we had some pistachio Orgeat lying around. Uh-huh. And we tried uh, a Jack Rose, and we tried, gosh, um, you know, we tried a bunch. And everyone came back to the French 75, like, well, that's okay. the most delicious one. You know, it's the most, like, clean and precise and, you know, it's like a, you know, it's a kaleidoscope, you know, right. but it has harmony, you know, because um, gin, you know, it's very busy, you know, you got 10 botanicals in this gin, plus the added infusions, and, um, and then, you know, you're adding lemon juice, and then, like, you know, Belgian lactic funk two-year thousand-liter fooder magis, magic beer, you know. Uh, and it sounds busy, but it does kind of have harmony while being the sum of its parts that you can like pick and choose. Yeah. Because you know the gin I'm using is infused with vanilla. You can you can hold on to that like deeper tone of the vanilla, or you can like rest on the higher tone of the lemon. You know, or you can like really feel like the the lactic acid. You know, straight from the beer, and like it all comes together. Super excited about this drink. Yeah, I'm ready to make it. Can I do it now? Yeah, well, I know. I'm really so excited. Congratulations to you oh, and, and getting luck. this far. This is huge. This is Sorry. awesome. It's the most I've talked in so long. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Absolutely. You did your cocktail um, yes. for the competition? Mm-hmm. If you could just introduce yourself, say where you're from, and what your cocktail was. Okay, so I'm Brett Henderson. Uh, my friends call me Turbo. Nice. Had that since high school. Uh, it's not a really appealing. Uh, nickname that I got it from, so okay. we'll get that. We'll talk about we that later. Okay. We'll give you a few beers and uh, then we'll ask you. I'll tell you off the record. <laughs> but I'm from uh, Boston, Massachusetts originally, but I operate two restaurants up in Newburyport, Mass. It's a real summer uh, area. It's right on the beaches. Um, one is definitely focused towards Belgian beer and local beer. Um, and then it's comfort food for the most part and some southern cuisine. The other restaurant is definitely eclectic, more seafood, a little bit more fresh, uh, more vibrant food, and definitely more wine, beer, and cocktail, all focused. Uh, there's not really a big favorite in each. So I did a uh, cocktail just now, it was called Flanders Field. Um, I went to Belgium last year and I, I visited um, Flanders Field, which in World War One, I, I think, I think it was like 1.5 million Allied soldiers were killed on that one field. And I saw they have a big monument there, and it has the name of every soldier that was killed for the Allied forces. And there was 
four names that were, were Henderson that were from the Irish Brigade. Whoa. So I looked up one of them, and one was actually a relative of mine, which wow. I never knew. Wow. So kind of that's where it hit kind of home. So I wanted to pay oh. homage to the soldiers. So that's, that's where the, the name came for the cocktail. Um, pretty much the cocktail is because French, there was a lot of French presence, Belgian presence, and the American presence. I did a kind of hybrid of a it's a beer cocktail with a Jack Rose and a, a sidecar hybrid, if you want to say. So there's there's lemon, Calvados is an apple brandy, uh, lemon, some pomegranate, um, and it's topped with the Petrus H Red, which I think really popped off pretty pretty awesome to finish that. And topped it with a dehydrated lemon and some pomegranates, and I'm actually pretty happy with it. It's on one of my cocktail lists at the point up in Newburyport, and we sell quite a bit of them, so I'm, cool. I'm proud of the cocktail, so. So your trip to Belgium last year is what got you interested in wanting to compete for this this year? Um, I actually got to know um, Albert um, a little bit over there. I know all the guys from Global Beer Network, um, really nice guys, and they had reached out to me that, would you like to compete in it? I said, oh, absolutely. I'd love to, I'd love to go back to Belgium. It was probably the best trip I've had since I've been in Italy. I think wow. those are the two highlights of my life. and They're pretty wow. amazing. So um, beer is kind of my my passion anyways. I like to fuse it with cocktails. I've made cocktails. My my arm is stat, pretty much stitched with all tiki cocktails, but I also make tiki style cocktails with beer too. So it's it's fun. I, I mix everything together. Very so. cool. Is this your first competition? No, I've been in about 20. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I last year, I last won the World uh, Gin Competition last year, Whoa. which they sent me um, to Holland for that. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah, it was fun. That it was is really fun. awesome. Yeah, so that was sponsored by Brockman's Gin. Not really trying to give a plug, but they, right. they they're the ones that sent me out there. So. Oh, very yeah. very. When was the first time that you tried Petrus? Petrus, um, the year before I went to Belgium, probably, wow. and it was kind of their release in America of the Petrus, and it was uh, just the Age Pale. I love that beer, and when we went out there, I tried the Age Red. And I pour it like crazy at one of my restaurants. It's on all the time. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's a solid beer. It's different because it's a blend. It's a blended beer. Yeah. And you're talking about brown, and you're talking about cherries. You're talking about sitting in folders, the Calvados folders. It's pretty cool. So what got you? What got you into beer? Um, well. Stealing from my parents when I was a kid. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> that I was Heineken. I didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, but when I was when I was getting older, I was I was drinking. You know, when you go to college, you're just drinking like lagers and whatever, whatever is cheap. And I started bartending probably in college, like full time. And I just I worked at a beer bar, and I just all of a sudden I started dif different styles. I mean, Browns. Reds that are disappearing these days. Mm -hmm. You know, IPAs are strong, and their IPAs can be way overpowering sometimes. And yes, that, I think yeah. that's talking to you just briefly before. Is I think that's can that can like push people away. How bitter like some of the IPAs can be. So for men and women, I think their their palates are getting back into being a little bit more refined and not just have, need a bitter bomb. You know, right. it's there's a lot of flavors out there that I think that are appealing to men and women. Yeah. Yeah, so what uh, what beer do you love drinking right now? Um, my, f I would say my go-to would be Bavik, Bavik Super Pills. Yeah. Um, it's it's probably the best Pilsner that's ever been produced. Um, if I if I want, I drink this on a golf course. I drink it like just like a sessionable, like hanging out with friends. Yeah. If I want to hit hard, 
it would be like Guldendrock, you know, that's but that's 12%, so it's maybe one or two, and then, you know, maybe start doing shots and then go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but but other than that, I like I do like a lot of the local beers. Um, you know, in Massachusetts, there's a new brewery opening up every like two to three months, like from Boston up to Newburyport, which is a 45-minute drive. There's probably 14 breweries in the last six years that have opened, wow. and it's 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 starting to become a little bit diluted. You know, and you have to pick you you have to try them, and you pick what you like. You know, it's there's a lot of styles out there still, but everybody wants to do the IPAs, which I think is a little bit overbearing. And there's so much out there. I mean, that's why I've always been a Belgian beer lover. Like I've always done. Like it's and not even because I'm doing this uh, this competition. Belgian beers are they're fading, and I think they're the, one of the most creative beers made, and they're one of the oldest too. Yeah, you know? true. So, so much history. Yeah. So for a final fun non-beer related question, what is your guilty pleasure television? Yep. What guilty pleasure? What television. television? Television? Yes, you're just like I'm just gonna throw it on. I love watching it. Um, Big Mouth on Netflix. <laughs> yes. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's so over the top ridiculous. I love it. Like the first one, first one's called Ejaculation. <laughs> Next one is called Everybody Bleeds. It's hilarious. You just sit there like, what's going on right now? You're like, Great. who's watching? Like, right. It's awesome. So that's my good life. I I will watch it over and over again. Love it. And then Friends. I still like Friends. Anytime Friends is on, I'm, I love I just, I'm going back through it for the second time. <laughs> it's just so easy to throw on, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't have to yeah. fully pay attention, but you get to laugh, right? Yeah. Oh, Joey. Yeah. Oh, Joey. I love stupid people. Yeah. I'm somewhat stupid, so yeah. I appreciate them. <laughs> Thank you so much for sitting down with us, and good luck to you. It was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate awesome. it. This was fun. Thanks. Good luck to you. I love that idea. Thank, Thank you. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Awesome. Well, uh, introduce yourself and tell us about you and your cocktail. Sure. My name is Mike Lewinsky. I uh, own, actually, Fate Brewing Company out of Boulder, Colorado. Awesome. And I did a cocktail. I have a bartending background, um, so making cocktails is kind of, is very uh, natural and, and an affinity of mine. So I did a twist on a Manhattan. It's called okay. a Belgian Manhattan. Nice. And it uses... Um, any two ounces of whiskey. We chose the Hirsch eight year today, Ooh. Uh, which is a really nice drinkable whiskey on itself. <laughs> um, and then we muddled some blood orange in uh, Petra Sage Pale. We used strong water bitters and made a balsamic maple cherry reduction. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. That That's kind of my favorite. Um, you know, we're a brew pub out in Colorado and um, love just incredible incorporating aspects of the kitchen and food ingredients into pretty much kind of everything that we do. So yeah. um, that is one of my favorite modifiers of all time. You take a, a little bit of uh, maple syrup and you cut it with water to loosen it up. Yep. And then in this case, we added some cherries and reduced it. And then at the end, you add a little balsamic vinegar. And as balsamic vinegar heats and reduces, it gets sweeter and loses its harsh acidic nature. And so it comes out in just two tastes until you have this like magic thing you want to put on pancakes. And so cool. Awesome. Put it in cocktails instead. Is this your first competition? Yes and no. I mean, I've done some local stuff in Colorado and, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not on the competing circuit by any means. So it's been fun. Good. Having a chance to go to Atlanta. I've never been to Atlanta. It's such an amazing place. So this is your first time in Atlanta? First time to Atlanta. Awesome. And I'm pretty well traveled, so yeah. I, I can compare Atlanta to a lot of things. Um, and I just, 
I think it's pretty fantastic. Atlanta's great. We love it here. There's a lot of everything, and I'm sure today's beautiful. I'm sure it gets hot. Yes. (laughs) But uh, just this sprawling city with with lots of, you know, I judge a city by its food and beverage culture, Mm -hmm. and this one's hitting home runs. Good. Have you had a chance to stop by anywhere, try anything? Uh, Man, you know, I did... a short tour. My roommate from college uh, works out here, actually. Okay. So, cool. um, he met me after work, and then we went to um, Torch Top. Yep. And then we actually came to um, the market. Nice. And then walked from the market down the, um, remind me, help me, the, the path. Yes. Oh, the Beltline. Yes. The Beltline. Yep. We walked the Beltline and did the brewery, the brew pub up on the Beltline. The New, New Realm? New Realm. Yeah. That's right. And then um, we ended... Um, gosh, there was this seafood place that has really cool theming, kind of off the belt line a little bit. I don't know which seafood direction place. I was walking, north, northeast. Oh, uh, is, is that Beetle Cat? It's like a tiki bar, begins with a B, Buttercup. Be- Beetle Cat? Beetle Cat, that's right. Okay, nice. I, I got the syllables right. Yeah. Um, and then, so we were at Beetle Cat, and then... Um, Got some famous barbecue that I thought was world class. Yeah, nice. Good. At Fox. Fox Brothers. Uh-huh. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> I watched. I'm a Cavs fan. I got to watch them lose, and that's great. That kind of, you know, was dessert. So. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. I, I know there's tons more to explore. I don't leave till late till tomorrow, so awesome. I might be a tourist for a little bit. Yeah, nice. I'm glad that you've enjoyed it so far. Yeah. So, so oh, go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, when did you first try uh, try Petrus beer? Man, um, these global guys that are putting on this event are pretty fantastic. And um, I was running a beer bar in Boulder, Colorado, and um, came across their brands and. The thing about Belgian beer in general, um, but je- their portfolio and Petrus, it, like nobody can duplicate. There, there's such a uniqueness and individuality to like every single beer out there, and um, just found them to be phenomenal. Uh, this was kind of early 2000s before the latest wave of breweries everywhere, um, and uh, they, they were they were a brand bringing something special to the table that with all this growth, like nothing duplicates Petra's age pale, not even close. Like people try and we do kettle sours and we use all sorts of bugs and Britannomyces and, uh, but really Petra's age pale stands alone in, in, a, in that class. And, and I think it's, it's one of my favorite beers of all time. And, um, these guys, have a tendency to import a ton of stuff that just has amazing uniqueness that I, I think maybe brewers in general try to because that's what we do best we find a some brewery making something else and with some sort of hop or some sort of modifier or adjunct and then all of a sudden you know if I'm traveling to Atlanta and find a great beer you, you try and duplicate it and and I just think that these brands stand the test of time because nothing touches it which is awesome have you had the chance to have an Atlanta beer while you're here I have. I've had a, well, we went to Torch Top and to New, New Realm. Realm. right. Um, I am familiar with the bigger regionals, uh, the Sweetwater, um, Terrapin, although yeah. they, they kind of fall under the Lord Voldemort name now. <laughs> Depends so, on who you ask. Erase that. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited to check out a, a bunch of new stuff. It's great. Didn't hit a nail house where we um, tried a whole gamut of, of of local stuff. It's yeah, hard yeah. enough to keep up in the Denver Boulder area. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and, we, and we're growing every yeah. day. So yeah. 
So yeah. what? Uh, what? When did you first start getting into beer, and you knew like you wanted to make this your job? You wanted to do this? Gosh, I tell this story once in a while, and I think it's true of like any area. Um, but Boulder specifically, uh, in 2005, the restaurant I was running had six taps, and we had two bars. We had a bar upstairs and a bar downstairs, and all of those taps were the same. But we had the ability; they both fed off different kegs. And so we, we crossed the bridge to say, okay, let's split them and let's get our staff to buy into um, offering 12 styles, but six of them you have to run upstairs for every time somebody orders. And, uh, and we did that. And ironically, 2005, not long ago, 12 taps of craft beer only and in Boulder, Colorado, had the most amount of craft beer on tap, had the most amount of taps. 12 and it really was the beginning of when we started getting into craft beer and 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 we were a little bit early before this wave and so we had we fostered relationships with um the russian rivers and stone and 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 we're able to get all this special stuff out like all over the planet that that establishment still does uh which is awesome and um but as you explore those things and are offer those things and drink more uniquely i think it it develops your palate and your intrigue to continue to do so and so so that's really where i got into the process into the um kind of searching for um and and exploring all sorts of styles and flavors and things that you can do with beer and now i guess it would be a decade plus later, beer is just tremendous in comparison to what it was, yeah. which is awesome. Well, I have a, a, a fun, non-beer-related question. Yep. If you could have a, well, I guess it's beer-related. If you could have a beer with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Ah, I, I might have three. Oh, I'm really bad at okay. offering them. Um, despite how you feel about Michael Jackson, <laughs> I, I, music. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would love to. I don't think he drank beer. Maybe I'd drink a beer while Michael Jackson performed. Yeah, that would be yeah. a bucket list item. Um, Barack Obama love is yeah. a hero of mine, and um, would love to have a beer with him. What beer do you think he likes? Um, I think he likes wine. Okay. In fact, I know he likes wine. But he he was the first home brewer in the White House. And Did I'm pretty not know sure that. they don't what? do that anymore. If I couldn't love him more. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and um, they had a special White House beer. I think it was like an orange wit style. Um, wow. His staff loves beer. That's great. Um, but no, I, I, I know that he drank beer and um, appreciates it. And everybody kind of has their default. So he'd be one of them. Cool. And then your third person was? Oh, um, gosh. I lied about three. I probably have five. But I'll throw... Um, Martin Luther King out there. Love it. It's kind of two, you know, prolific heroes. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. I don't Great. know if he drank beer. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you so much. We congratulations and good luck to you. Absolutely. I'm I'm so happy that you guys have this podcast. Oh, thank you. you so much. We appreciate it. Women need to drink as much beer as possible. Yes. I agree. We're big I agree. consumers in the market. So. Yeah, you yeah. are huge consumers in the market. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Hell yeah. Love so it. you literally just finished your cocktail. I left the hospital yep. yesterday morning and came here to entertain the guys from Belgium. Yes. Wow. And huge congratulations. Thank your you wife very just much. had a baby. Isabella Josephine Hayden. We've got a new queen in this world. Oh, we're so excited. So it's, it's awesome. We're, uh, yeah, we're, we're super excited. Yeah.
So tell the listeners who you are, where you're from, and what your cocktail was. Um, so uh, my name's uh, Randy Hayden. Um, I am the beverage director for Slater Hospitality here in Atlanta. We, uh, I oversee the uh, beverage program at uh, one of the top attractions in the United States, so I'm definitely one of the top in Atlanta. Um, we have a few different concepts here, and you know, opening the 12th floor we're at now, a little hush-hush speakeasy, which... Uh, you know, members only type of thing, invite only type of thing coming. So, um, you know, I've, my role is, uh, you know, I, I believe in a very balanced bar program. Um, balance means if someone comes to any of the bars that I'm on the helm of, you know, whether a beer drinker, a wine drinker, or a cocktail drinker, I want to be able to satisfy them. So, you know, I never, I want to never let anything be the star of the show. Um, uh, reason I, I won this competition last year, um, you know, very grateful for that. And I think the reason why I did so well in it is because, you know, the balance of the cocktails, uh, uh, spirits, and beer, uh, you know, I, I'm knowledgeable in all three of them, doing a beer cocktail, you know, made a lot of sense. You know, you just think about the flavors, matching them and pairing them together to get something, uh, you know, very beautiful. And um, I love tiki drinks. Uh, Dan, one of the guys from Global Beer, y'all spoke to earlier, um, is a big tiki drinker like me, and so I wanted to do a drink for him, so I did a Mai Tai. Um, nice. Pe- Petrus Red, I mean, come on. Easy. Yeah. Cherry. Oh, and your drink looks beautiful. Absolutely. We'll drink them all night tonight um, after hopefully I bring home the uh, <laughs> bring home the title again. But, uh, yeah, you know, you just want to, it's a sweet, fruity drink, and, you know, substituted sugar for the Petrus Red syrup, which gives it that really yeah. pop of cherry, mm-hmm. lime, lemon, orange, all fresh squeezed, all fresh everything, plantation, uh, plantation rum out of Trinidad. Yep. It's beautiful. We did the dark and the light, and uh, on top of the syrup, we topped it with a hefty amount of the beer. Um, because once again, you know, it's this is a cocktail competition, but it's a beer cocktail competition. So I wanted to make sure that every a blind person could tell that this was a Petrus cocktail, and um, that's that that's how it rolled with the same thing last year. So um, yeah, banking on that philosophy working again. Yeah, awesome. So are you a frequent competitor? Um, you know, I'm, I just turned 39, so I, I'm an older competitor, so I didn't for a long time. But yeah, I've, I've won many competitions, just recently won the High, uh, the high Museum Highball Competition here in Atlanta. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. Uh, it, it's about, I think, thank you. Uh, for me, it's never all about me. It's always about the team, and that's how we roll Slater Hospitality is team, team, team. And I like to do these competitions to bring uh, recognition to our beverage program. You know, I'm not like LeBron James, like my, I'm just talking about our. And... Uh, you know, um, being an attraction, you know, we're going to be busy every day. We're going to be packed. But I want people out there to know we're legit. Yeah, you got to take an elevator to get up here. Yeah, it's a little different than walking into a bar. But when you come up here, you know, we can hang with anybody in town. So that's that's kind of like my little mission. Yeah. You know, as beverage director. I love that. So what got you into beer? What got me into beer? Yeah. Um, a late beer drinker. I've never purchased a Miller Lite, a Coors Light, anything like that. Congratulations. I, I, wow. I don't drink those light beers. Now that I'm a businessman, I don't I don't support, you know, how those companies roll. But um, I, um, what really got me into beer is uh, my first roommate had a job uh, at, um, his first printing job was at Sweetwater. He did their labels for their beers. So I went up there on a Sunday and worked, and they paid you with beer. They happened to be, uh, and this is in 1999, or no, 2000. Oh, wow. They um, they were uh, bottling ice Sweetwater IPA, which back in the day was one of the best IPAs in the country. I remember when I tried the beer and tried the grapefruit and the pine notes from the hops, I was like, wow, this does not taste like those keg party beers and all that. This <laughs> yeah. is like something different. And it really just opened my mind, so I started, you know, really liking them and exploring. And then as I started running bar programs, I... Um, 
put together, I, I realized if I want to be successful in this business, like at the time I would have considered myself a wine and a spirits guy, right. but I quickly realized that I needed to um, be well-rounded. So I needed to be a beer expert, a wine expert, and a, and a spirits expert. And that way, um, you know, anybody needing me to do some of their bar program, I could do it and do a good job at it responsibly. Nice. I love that. That's great. Yeah. So Petra's beer, it's a very, I mean, it's just such a beautiful beer. What initially got you in um, interested in Petra's beer and when did you first try it? Well, um, A, when I went out, I tried it before, but when I went out to the brewery and uh, won the competition last year and watched how they make it and listen, I mean, I like sours. They're, they're fun. I think mm -hmm. sours are kind of the bridge between beer and wine. And so, um, you know, being a wine drinker, very, very cool. I mean, if you try the, if you try the Petrus Red, it almost has like Pinot Noir qualities to it, yes. or marketing oh, qualities. I'm so glad you said you know? that. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so super, super interesting, uh, super interesting there. Um, yeah, I mean, just well-made beers, family-run operation. We're a family-run company, so um, you know, I just kind of gravitate towards that kind of stuff. The people, you know, Albert, Peter, everybody, just, just awesome. Kind of like great product. Great people, so that's that's the kind of people I can surround myself with. Yeah, I love that. And products. So what uh what is your go-to beer right now? Um, go-to beer right now, truthfully, is probably Scoffwall Basement. Love um, it. Nice. Yeah, it's I, so I, good. I love the guys over there. I think it's one of the best IPAs in the country. Um, I drink it often. Um, you know, it's 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 great. Yeah. So I think I think if I had to choose one right now, it'd be Scoffwall Basement. Okay. Um, Super fun, uh, non-competition related question. If you could have a beer with anybody, who would it be? Wow, um, that's a tough one. Um, I think right now I'd say Donald Trump. <laughs> so many people are hating on him and you know, there's so much negativity in this world. Yeah. I don't have an opinion on him for one reason. I've never met him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'd like, I think it'd be a very interesting beer, you know? That would be an interesting yeah. beer, but he has a yeah. lot of things to yeah. say. Yeah. I don't hate anyone I don't know, and that's probably a controversial thing to say is you have a beer with Donald Trump. Yeah. I could care less. I mean, other people in the conversation, Michael Jordan, you know, maybe yeah. Julio Jones, you know, sports people I like. But, yeah, I mean, I'd like to have a beer with the Donald and uh, chop it up. He's a big business guy. He's done a lot of stuff. I mean, he's probably got some interesting stories. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I know he's not a drinker, so maybe he'd yeah. be have fun. a couple yeah. to break you. that boundary. Yeah, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Anytime. Thank you all Congratulations and good luck to you. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Of course. Thank you all very awesome. much. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, so, cool. if you, so introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from and what your cocktail was. So, uh, Corey Phillips, uh, born and raised, ATLian. Nice. Uh, you know, native Atlanta. Uh, I represent Hampton and Hudson. Cocktail I did today was the uh, Petrus Cup. So it was a, you know, strawberry, cucumber, mint, uh, lemon, a uh, little bit of demerara syrup um, with pims and sherry. Uh, it's an equal mix with uh, the Petrus uh, Dark Age. So. so the Pimm's Cup is a very British thing. The, yes. it the is. Brits love a good Pimm's Cup. Oh, Pimm's Cup was my favorite thing when I lived over there. Yeah. Get yourself, and you get like the straw, you get towards the ends of it, and you just like eat the strawberries and get drunk off of that. It's the best. So, I love So Pimm's you Cup. live there? Lived okay. there for three years. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very English style, and that's what I wanted to keep it like very traditional too. Yeah. But I also wanted to strain it off, so I strained everything off so that you didn't get all of those clumps of like yeah. stuff in the, in the, in the cocktail. But but, um, yeah, it was very fun. As soon as I tasted, you know, Petrus Dark Age uh, Red, it was like, this is Pimp Cup all the way, you know, um, cherry, barrel-aged, and that's yep. what I wanted to go for. So, yeah. 
We actually got to try your cocktail, and it's it's fucking delicious. Well, that's so good. Well, that's. Hopefully so. Yeah, I can drink that all summer. I wanted to. Yeah, well, that was that was what I wanted to go for. You know, patio pounder. You know, here yeah. in the south, which is what I talked about when we were up there, was just especially here in the south. You want to drink something when you're sitting on a hot patio, which is what we do all the time. Yeah, it's all uh, that's available here. Is that you're just it's like hot patio. You just want to pound stuff down, you know, and yep. you want it light and refreshing, and so that's what you know I went with. Um, that was what we were trying to trying to go for. So. so what was your process of getting from like starting to experiment to the final Petrus cup? What was that like? It was, uh, so it was a process. Yeah. I went through a lot of different aspects of like how, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to go through this? How are we going to make it different, but still keep the simplicity at the same time? So I went through it, went through probably, you know, 50 different variations of different liqueurs, different, vermouths different amaros and you know different you know variations of how we could do it and i finally ended up going with sherry as like one of my bases yeah. to just like brighten everything up and as soon as i threw sherry in there it was like oh this is exactly what i was looking for and it just as soon as we tasted it it was like okay this is it this yeah. is perfect this is exactly what we were looking for so Great. um it was a long process but it was it was fun at the same time so you know. Are you are you a frequent competitor? Uh, I compete, uh, you know, a, a good bit. Um, I like to have fun with it, though. Yeah. I don't think it's anything like pretentious or no, anything. Not at all. I like to uh, show up, have a good time. It's always a good time to like go to another city. I don't know how this, you know, ended up being in my hometown city, but it was right? like great to represent. But. You know, just like traveling around and going to other cities is always just fucking awesome. You know, the people that you meet, the it, it's it's amazing. You know, yeah. that's what I like about it. So. so what got you into beer and how long have you been into beer? I've been into beer for a long time. Uh, it just kind of depends on, you know, how long down the road we go. But uh, where I'm at now, Hampton and Hudson, we're a community bar. We, you know, we got a great selection of, I mean, we've got 25 different taps. we got a lot of different Belgian beers. We've got, uh, you know, a lot of bottled beers. Um, you know, it, it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's a creative, fun, um, you know, platform to be able to always switch up and have a good time with. So, and show people, like, interesting stuff that's not coming in, you know, like, oh, let me get a, let me get a Bud Light. You know, you're, you're able to be, a, you know, push some stuff out there that's yeah. really awesome and that's what's great about working with guys like you know uh global beer network and you know all this it's it's amazing you know these are people who actually really love beer this yes. as much as i do you know and that's that's what's awesome so nice. you know it's it's good to be around people that appreciate what you appreciate you know absolutely so. And especially with Petrus, I mean, it's such a unique style. Like, what? So, what? When did you first try Petrus, and what got you interested in the competition and sticking with Petrus? I guess I tried Petrus a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I put it on draft, and have had it in 750 formats, and it's just always, you know, kind of, kind of been there because I love lambic style beers, I love sour beers, and that's what, you know, that's what I drink. Um, and so kind of 
always supported that and been about it. And when we when we went to it, and then this competition came up, and I was like, oh, well, why? You know, I'll be a part of it. Love it. You know, and we got there, and, and here we are today. So yeah. Awesome. So, so go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Um, so kind of like. Um, we like to ask different questions, kind of um, not 100% beer related. Well, this is kind of beer related, but um, so if kind you of, could, or maybe if, if you could have a beer uh, with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be, and what beer do you think they would drink? Oh God. Ooh. <laughs> uh, dead or alive? We're yeah. Right? Either. Okay. Uh. Mm. You know, I'd probably say my 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 Nina Shirley. Yeah. If if you wanted to go with anybody. Yeah, you know, anybody. Like when 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 people pass away too soon, you know, and yeah. and and that's it. I'd probably go with my grandmother, and awesome. and she would probably drink a Budweiser, <laughs> which awesome. is she would probably drink a Budweiser, and she would probably just say, but she's one of those, you know, that would just shoot the shit. But yeah. she, uh, yeah, that 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 would probably be my like. Number one. And do you think you could get her into some of the cocktails that you make, the beer cocktails? Not you at make? all. No? no. Not at all. Hell no. No way. She would. She would. You know, she's either uh, white Zinfandel or you know, but but yeah, yeah. Like that's it. I you know. know like, I knew not, many of those women, and they're delightful. Yes, women. she was. Uh, yeah. No way. No way. Jose, but yeah. Right. Kind of like my grandmother. She would try it, but she was like, very southern. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Uh, you know, raised. You know. Southern bred, southern born. Uh, there's no getting her out of whatever. But she was, you know, she's like five six. Perm, you know, perm, redheaded perm, you know, and and that was her, you know, and she was who she was, you know. So I love that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for sitting down it. with us. Thank you no, so much. No, thank y'all. And congratulations and good luck to you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. We'll Thanks. So, awesome. Thank y'all. Thank awesome. you so much for sitting down with us. Yeah. You guys just announced the winner of the second annual competition. Yes, we did. And uh, it, it's been a great experience to, to hang around here in Atlanta, um, having that experience of beer cocktails and see how creative those guys are. It's phenomenal. So uh, I have to give them a big round of applause to each one of them. So for our listeners, if you don't mind to introduce yourself and explain your brewery and where you're from. Definitely. I'm Albert Brabandre. I'm sixth generation of uh, the, the Brabandre family. Um, and we started up our brewery in 1894. So uh, I was lucky I'm born in the beer business and probably I'll die in there because it's, it's, one of the best, it's one of the best jobs to do around the world. It's bringing people together, let them enjoy, let them make friends and let us be the the element that brings them together and, and serving them a good Belgian specialty beer is, is our reason why we are around here. So uh, bring as many people together as we can. And uh, myself, I'm, I'm running the business right now together with my father. Uh, but before that, of course, I did my brewing science school and my uh, economics. So a little bit of everything brings it nicely together. Yeah. And uh, one thing that you were telling us, because uh, we did get to talk to you at the bar before we sat down here, um, you were telling us about your birthday and how that was just kind of a kismet sort of thing with your founding date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I only found out about that a couple of years ago. We did a rebranding of the brewery. Mm -hmm. It used to be called Brewery Bavik, uh, which was referring to our, um, our largest brand, Bavik Superpills. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, we changed the name over because we do many more beers like Petrus with the Kirky. 
Um, that has said, we better go back to the original name of the brewery, which is Brewery de Brabander. Probably not the easiest one to pronounce, <laughs> but I didn't choose my last name myself. So, um, and, uh, and it was still on the wall of the brewery. So I'd started digging into old papers and I found the first and the original document that actually um, showed my grand-grand-grandfather who was asking for the permission the allowance to start a brewery in Bavikoven. And I was very surprised by the fact when I noticed that that date of asking to start a brewery was the 5th of September 1894. And, and the reason why is because I'm born the 5th of September 1984. So exactly 90 years later than wow. the start of the brewery. So uh, probably a big coincidence or my father planned it very well. <laughs> However, I tried it, but my son was born on the 20th of September, so that didn't work out like I wanted it to work out. But, um, okay, yeah. it was probably a lot of luck, but it feels a little bit like it had to be like that. So, yeah. so you were born into beer, but did you always, like, did you take to beer right away? It was, it was effortless for you? Um, I started drinking milk, of course, like, like most of us. Yeah. Um, but uh, I started working at the brewery when I was eight years old. So my first job, summer job, I love to run around there. That's, that's the place where I, I learned to how to ride a, ride a bike. Um, and every summer I, I worked in the brewery. So probably the most easy jobs to do. Uh, but it did give me the opportunity to really get the full values of the brewery and to, get gr and to grow in there, to really understand and to know everyone that's working in the brewery. So that was very important. And when I was 18 years old, probably I did jobs in, in the warehouse. I had done jobs in the bottling plant, the brew house. I was assistant brewmaster as well. I had been a representative of the brewery as well. So I did a little bit of everything. And then my father asked me, are you really interested to, re to continue this brewery? Because if you're not, better tell me right now so I can start looking for someone to, to buy the brewery. And, but he said, I really hope that you're going to have a positive approach to this. And, and I, yeah, it took me two seconds. I could, just being given that opportunity was for me a dream. So uh, I've always been working in the brewery, been living there. We live next to the brewery as well with the family. So for wow. me, it was very logic that I would be going in there. And then he gave me all the opportunities I needed to, to learn about beer brewing. I did a brewmaster school in Munich. Uh, he sent me to Paris for entrepreneurship, and then I worked for a small brewery in Amsterdam. Green bottles, red star on there. So um, <laughs> we, I, we I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> no, it wasn't to learn how to brew beer, but it was if they do one thing very well, it's about telling stories, yes, and, yes. and that's also very important. And that's what I picked up over there as well. So uh, that brings everything together—a little bit of economics, entrepreneurship, beer and marketing. It's a nice blend, it's a nice cocktail of, of different elements that, that gave me the opportunity with it, which I have today. So awesome. your brewing process is very specific. So with, unique. I mean, the, the buzzword is the 2,000 gallon fooders and can you go into like what makes, what sets you apart from everybody else? So we started our sour beer program somewhere in the 70s um, and actually our sour beer program is a collection of our mistakes from the past. So when my grandfather had a bad batch, and that happens to everyone, he never would sell it. He said, I'm going to keep it on barrels, I'm going to keep it on fooders, so that the flavor or the off flavor would go out on a slow basis. 
And then he would sell it as a special, special one-off at probably a lower price as well. But he didn't want to throw it away, of course, because that would cost too much money. But what he didn't do was cleaning out the barrels in between. So every time he had a new infection, actually he put it on top of the other one. So which made us that in the 80s, beginning of the 80s, we had phenomenal microflora um, of, um, of three different bacteria, a couple of um, wild yeasts as well. And those lived on the inside of that wood. Mm -hmm. And at a certain moment, he let that bear age for 18 to 24 months. And the result coming out of there was a big surprise because what happened is that all the microflora actually eats the non-fermentable sugars and transform them into higher alcohols, esters, and sourness. And there's a lot of things going on in the Petrus H. Pale. And that was 100% footer beer. And from that moment, my father bought himself footers, uh, bigger ones. So 2,000 gallons, 220 hectoliters, as you say. And those are big guys. Yeah. And, and they used to be um, a part of the production for a Nelson's wine. Then they moved over to the cognac area. So mm -hmm. they were used to make apple brandy. And then it came over to the brewery in the 80s. But they were the perfect um, ground for a microflora to grow in. Yes. Because the microflora is on the inside of the footers. Yep. And then we just put fresh beer in there and they're going to be doing the work for 18 to 24 months. And wow. the result is the Petrus H. Pale. Wow. And, and normally we only use that beer as a blending beer in our Petrus Rue Brune, which is a typical Flemish red ale. And it was only until Michael Jackson dropped by the brewery that he asked us, Oh my, I want to taste that original footer beer. And he was the guy who forced us to really bring that beer onto the market. And because he was such a big fan of it, because it's the only pale footer beer. Right. And that was for him something unique. And that's why he called it Petrus Aged Pale. Aged on footers, but a pale version of it. Because most of our colleagues, we only have three doing the same process in Belgium. And do it with a dark beer. But when you do it on a pale beer, you get way more influence of, of the microflora and the bacteria. You really sense what they are doing to that beer. And it was Michael Jackson who, who asked us to do that and we did it as a one-off. But since then we had to add more footers because demand was so high. Yeah. yeah. And of course we're not going to reduce the time that the beer would be in those footers. So, yeah. Um, wow. So earlier you were showing us how the aged pale and the aged red go really well together. Yes. Blending, the blending. Yeah, that's that's something that actually, that idea was uh, born in the US. I still remember very well, it was in Chicago. Uh, it was probably my first business trip to the US mm -hmm. where we had the launch of Petrus H. Thread, which was our third Petrus Sour beer after the Rue Brune and the HPL. And our brewmaster developed that and it was a phenomenal beer. It's it's 85% double brown with 15% Petrus H. Pale in there to, to really give it that sharp sourness slightly to close off. But the sweetness is still very strong and very beautiful. And the cherries give it a fruity flavor, but the H. Pale at the end will wash it away so that it stays a very drinkable beer, whereas, uh, whereas a lot of other fruit beers could tend to be too sweet and too sugary and they're not willing to get to that second second glass of it. And so Brewmaster did a great job by adding 15% of the HPL in there. But apparently for one of the bar owners in Chicago, um, 
that was still too sweet to his taste buds. And he started doing something that I actually was not a big fan of when I saw it happening. He poured more of the aged pale in there because we always have the feeling that we try to make the best possible beer and we don't like it or we didn't used to like it when they, they start playing around with that because it, it's your baby and they put so much passion in there and you're afraid that they could screw it up as well. Yeah. But I had to say when I tasted it, I had to say, you're right. He was damn right because what he actually did was he leveled up a little bit the sourness more than the fruitiness and it make it even more drinkable. And that gave us the idea, actually, those three beers together, Petrus Root, Brune, H. Pale and H. Red, they have a common denominator, which is the footer beer. Yes. Maybe we do give consumers the opportunity to blend them together. And probably we were the first beer in the market who really started pushing that idea of sour blending. So Petrus Sour Blending, where we have three beers and they can, consumers can play around with it. And it's a little bit, little bit like your chemistry kit that you used to have in the past. Yes. The only good thing is it's never gonna explode and the result will always be balanced. And that's important, but every consumer has different taste buds. And even for me, it depends on the season. If it gets more warm, we're in Atlanta right now, so it's, it's, it's very good weather around here. Yes. So I would add a little bit more aged pale to it. Uh, more sourness because that's so refreshing. However, in winter, I would opt for a little bit more aged red and more maltiness of the Rude Brune. So, it's, everyone has different taste panels um, and, and you can play around with it, so we don't mind doing that. And that's a little bit how we got also to the Petrosaur cocktails. Because if you trust cocktail makers, they could do the same in their cocktails as well. Yeah. And it's a tough job to do. I wouldn't be able to do it, but those guys really amazed me today and, and <laughs> gave me the best of the best. Oh, the cocktails today were so impressive. That was amazing. Yeah. And what's, what is the relationship between Petrus and starting this cocktail competition? So um, the whole relationship started with people who I think it was in Charleston, but I'm not sure anymore. But someone told me that he used Petrus H. Red as, as a fruitiness to his cocktails. And I was, again, afraid, surprised, but I was open to it. I said, yeah, bring it on. Let me try it. And I have to be honest, it was surprisingly working well. Yeah. And so I said, have you ever made a cocktail with H. Pale? He said, no. So the next day we went back and we had some bottles of H. Pale. He tried it out and... And again, he used the sourness into his cocktails because in my cocktails, I'm a big fan of sour cocktails. Probably not the most um, complex ones, but sourness always has to be in there. Yeah. So a, a good whiskey sour can always make me very happy. <laughs> um, and the fruitiness that you could have in Nature Red could also work very well. And that's what we've seen today. Yeah. So it's, it's all that playing around with it and using Petrus H. Pale as a sour element yes. in a cocktail or Petrus H. Red as a fruity element in a cocktail really works well. And, and I'm happy to, to get to taste beers and, and the cocktails here because those guys are pretty phenomenal in oh, their job. Oh, fantastic. And then, of course, Randy, Randy won. Um, and, uh, Again. Uh, uh, <laughs> he has to go to Belgium again. <laughs> um, so what about his cocktail just really brought out the Petrus Sour like that, that you really loved about it? Probably the reason why 
Randy won again, and, and, and I wish him all the best with it. But <laughs> let's be honest, I would have preferred a new winner. So to send someone else to Belgium. Yes. But where he made a difference compared to his colleagues, because we've been drinking all good cocktails. Yes. And, and there were three cocktails in there which really blew my mind. Yes. Um, but the difference is, and we had to get all the numbers together and let the points speak, because that's the most honest way yeah. of working. But there was a lot of discussion of, of why did, did Randy win and probably the reason where he scored more than all the others was that we really sensed the Petrus element in there more than in the other cocktails. Gotcha. Whereas the others used it as a good ingredient to balance it out and, and to work with it and play around with it. With Randy's cocktail, we really felt like, wow, this is a Petrus edge spread with something going on there. Yeah. And in a lot of the other cocktails, we had to look a little bit... Uh, why did you use it and where did you play it? And yes, right. they did balance out very well. But it was sometimes a little bit like, man, I'm missing here, uh, how should I say, uh, a platform for the Petrus to stand out. And yeah. that's where Randy made the difference. Wow. And that's what he did this year, because yesterday evening I tasted his cocktail from last year. And that's also, he stepped up the game a lot in, in that way. He really did acknowledge that, okay, my cocktail from last year was good, but I'm not sure if he would have won today. But by adding more aged red, really playing the beer as going forward, he did a good job today. Great. So, great job. So what is next for Petrus? Um, next for Petrus is uh, under discussion. We're going to keep playing around with our cocktails, with our sours. That's what we're known for. And um, we had the opportunity now to do a collaboration brew with uh, Petrus Saison. And um, Petrus Saison together with um, Dogfish Head. So that was a fun collaboration. So they came over to our brewery. Uh, they made a great Saison. And then we used that one to sour it up with Petrus H. Pale. So it's, it's the strength of both worlds. And, and we really love doing that. So. Uh, that's the reason why we were around in uh, Philadelphia earlier this week to do the opening nights. And, um, and the thing is with Petrus that we want to keep on finding ways to put our stamp onto different beer styles. And to see where does it work to sour a certain beer style or not. We've been making a sour saison, we've been making a sour wit, we've been making a sour quadruple. It's always very difficult to get that right balance in there. And that's what we are specialized in together with our brewmasters, to really find that balance in, in using Petrus as an extra value for different beer styles. Right. And to take our view on different beer styles. And that's fun to do. And it's not always easy. And sometimes we have to say this did not work at all. Um, but then, okay. Um, you have to pull um, the project back in, but uh, with the Petrus Sour Saison and collaboration with Dogfish Head, that was definitely a hit. So um, I'll be looking forward to pouring that first cake here at, uh, at uh, Nine Mile Station. So uh, yeah, Randy has got one on, so uh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to taste that again. Great! And then for a final question, um, if you could have a beer with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and what type of beer do you think they would drink? That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, with whom? That's pretty 
prayed for it. I would love to thank someone that I've never met in person. Right. Which has been very important to us as a brewery and to myself, and that's Michael Jackson himself. Wow. I never had the opportunity to meet him. Um, I've, I've heard so many stories about him from our brewmasters who love to have him around. And I'd love to know and learn more from him, how we could take this to the next step. And that's a pity that's never going to happen. But if I would have had the opportunity today to call someone back alive, it would definitely be Michael Jackson. Wow. To, to understand why he loved Petrus HPL so much and yeah. what could be other projects that we could be doing. So, um, and which beer? I would be the Petrus HPL. Yes. That's his beer. Obviously, yeah. And, and he's the guy, he's the reason why we actually added more fooders into our... Um, brewery, and we kept on growing this program. <laughs> Turbo just came in and uh, gave a little smooch to Albert. <laughs> I love that. Come on. Great. The, the more beer we drink, the more fun it gets. Yes, right? <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. It was this a pleasure is... to be here. Oh, really enjoyed it. Such so, a uh, pleasure. Thank you for having Great us. Great competition. Yeah, this was fantastic. And uh, let's keep this competition going. So anyone who hears this, definitely enroll into next year's edition. Yes. Because um, we do need some... Uh, great guys to spread the story and to help us out on and this. And to beat Randy, Wait. goodness. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, but he can win three times in a row. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers, thank you. Thank you guys and gals so much for listening and congratulations to Randy Hayden for once again bringing the giant Petrus bottle to Atlanta. If that didn't make you want a Belgian brew, I don't know what will. Many people are speculating that this contest could become one of the biggest bartending contests in the world, and we are honored that we had the chance to be part of it in some small way in its infancy. We'll have a link in the description to all the info on Petrus. They're a very unique brewery, and they're making some of the best Belgians in the industry. I'm not sure if they're available at Hop City, but I know you can definitely get them at places like Total Wine or Global Beer. Which one was your favorite? Mm. Mine was definitely the Aged Red. God damn, that was my fucking favorite. Yeah, it was so delicious. Aged Red was so fucking good. It was insane because any other beer that I've had that's boasted cherry, you almost got that like um, sugary, sh- sweet maraschino yeah. thing with yeah. it. With this one, it was pure cherry. It was delicious. And when you mixed it too, the 50-50. Right. Yeah, they they, uh, they talk about that a, a couple of times in the episode you just listened to. Um, and I think it's like 50-50 with the aged red and the they're just their regular pale. And it tastes like an entirely different beer. A million thank yous to Nine Mile Station for setting this all up for us to Albert, Dan, and all the contestants for giving us their time, and to everyone we met that day who couldn't have been kinder. Genuinely, this was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> that like club up there was so beautiful. Dude. We weren't even allowed to take pictures. At all. I, I wanted Instagram envy so bad, because you know that weird girl that was sat next to you in lunch and you want to make jealous on Instagram? I can't do that now. <laughs> there was so much like delicious food. And I will never get like the perfect teal color of some of that furniture out of my head. Like it, Everything was decorated so perfectly. Perfectly, the view you could see every bit of downtown Atlanta. It was. It showed us off really well. Yeah, because everybody was like, "Oh, Atlanta's cool." I'm like, "Yeah, right here. It's super cool. Atlanta's great. This, <laughs> this is wonderful. specific spot." <laughs> yeah. It was interesting because Albert also pointed out like you guys really advertise a lot, and you could see like eight different billboards like directly <laughs> where we could see. We were like, "Yeah, that's kind of an American thing." Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh man, try going on the interstate. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so one more thing. Um, have y'all seen? 
our journal yet. So, okay, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we just got a recent facelift on our website. Mm. We're now starting a running beer journal that all three of us will update frequently. That's me, Ashley, and Ben. We will all update with all the beers that we're trying, all the beers that we love. We'll have all the details on them. Um, We recently visited the Eventide uh, Brewery and snagged a ton of their beers. So we're going to just add them to the beer journal real quick. You may think we're all business here. But literally right after this recording, we are going to be trying all of the beers that we got, and you are going to see our thoughts very soon. We're enjoying beers right now, so I mean, Shh. yeah, I mean, we're working, <laughs> we're, working. we're professional. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks, and this time we'll be talking to several ladies in beer. We hope you'll join us. Cheers! Cheers.